Welcome to What Won't You Say, a woman-centered podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Mastic. Stick around for the season to be inspired by amazing women who bravely delve into the stories of their lives, giving hope and inspiration to others. Together, we will explore such a wide array of topics that you will be asking yourself, what won't you say? All right, so we're picking up the story from last week and where we left off. Uh, Jackie is in 2008. Her life is at an all-time high right now. Aside from having the all-time low of MS, you're you're living your best life. You've got a house and a boyfriend and you're working in your field and you're feeling great, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I've like outsmarted MS at this point, right? Because I'm not <laughs> taking medication. Oh, you. Um, <laughs> Right. I mean, and, and again, the, the dumbness in here too is like in 2006, I was diagnosed. I did have a a, a flare, a relapse in 2007. Right. Mm-hmm. I still am like, this is fine. Everything's fine. Right. <laughs> just yeah. Dumb. But yes, I think I've gotten all of the shit out of my life. And now I've opened the, the post-college door into the reality, into adulthood of what you think you're supposed to be doing with your life. I've unlocked level 24 or like mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so in a let's say okay in late spring of 2009 i had planned a reunion trip with my study abroad friends mm-hmm. you know the, again the one major experience of my life we're gonna meet in, in north carolina and we're going to just like have a beach week and it's going to be amazing because we haven't seen each other since 2004 it's been almost five years sure. so we're amped we and all of us have like new boyfriends and girlfriends and so we're like this is gonna be so great right the summer um, of our lives <laughs> yeah again right we're gonna basically relive being in europe together but in north carolina and we're all gonna have the greatest time ever and i invite the new boyfriend at the time so we start planning and what he really loves he really loves roller coaster parks and so we decide that we're gonna do a road trip to north carolina but on the way we're going to do a big fat weird loop and hit like six roller coaster parks. So that way it's sort of a, a win-win. We both get what we want out of this trip. And this sounds like a great idea. I don't love roller coasters, but I don't hate them. And at this point I now have my season pass holder to roller coaster parks, because again, my identity is whoever I'm dating. Um, So yeah, we're like, check, check, check. This is going to be great. Coolest trip ever. Right before this trip, I start having some medical symptoms and these are medical symptoms that I keep totally fucking hidden from everybody in my life because they're embarrassing. Are they at all in your mind related to MS? Do you know at this point? So what I think, and I'm, there's a blog about this on the internet somewhere is I think um, because of the neurological condition. And, and this is true that MS can impact your ability to eliminate your bowels and your bladder, right? right? The nerve connections can cause some issues. So I think some of the issues with my butt, probably MS, right? Probably mm-hmm. just some wacky nerve stuff. And again, like it'll sort itself out. I don't know. I don't, I literally, at the, I'm like, I literally don't know what I was thinking. Um, I'm wrong. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I'm wrong. <laughs> um, And I start again, I have to like, mm, Okay, so there is a hero in this version of story, the story of this time period, and the hero is named Dana, and Dana is a friend of mine that I met through the MS community, 
And she's one of the only people in my life. She's an internet friend at this point. I've never met her in person. And she is somebody who I can be totally honest with about everything in my life when I literally have zero other people in my life. I don't even have a best friend at this time that I can be honest with. And I tell Dana about this like poop stuff that I got going on. Mm. And I mentioned to her that sometimes there's blood in my poop. And Dana is like, uh, record scratch, right? Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, but like, just sometimes it's fine. Like, that's, that's, that's fine, right? Yeah. Like, that's, again, you become so delusional in, in this process because you don't want to think anything could be wrong with you. And you got to be thinking as a kid, like, no, there can't be something else wrong here. No, it feels yeah. like it's illegal that the universe yeah. cannot yeah. give you two things, right? Yeah. So, again, it's not even a possibility in my mind. What could be wrong here? So that's why I'm like, yeah, it's normal. Sometimes people have blood in their poop because, like, again, right. it not being normal is not an option. And Dana's like, okay, fat, okay, friend, um, not normal, not cool, probably should go see a doctor. And I was like, ha, no. Yeah. No, talk to a person face to face in real life about this. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm sure at this point you're probably of the mindset of, of all girls about that age. I don't even want people to know I have a butt or that I poop. No. Nope. So after some coaxing, Dana really is like, you got to go. And Dana had some family with some like butt related issues. Right. So she was sort of like speaking from a place of I care about you and I see how badly this can go please go to a doctor. So I do. And it's real uncomfortable. And they, um, I find a female doctor because I'm uncomfortable and I go. And what they don't tell me is it's a teaching facility. So she brings in Ugh. four people into the room. So I don't tell her the truth. I don't yeah. give her anything. And I'm just like, cool, I'll never see you again. And I leave. And that's the first GI I ever see. Because I'm like, <laughs> so far out of my comfort zone. Again, I have no one in the real world that I feel safe enough to tell this to. So um, Dana is the only person who is still kind of like pushing me like, you need to try again. And I'm like, try again, fuck right off. I'm not doing this again. Right. But I do. So because it's, I know it's getting worse. Like I can see that it's getting worse. And so I, I do. I find a new doctor. I go to him. Um, and this guy tells me for weeks to just pump up my fiber, to just add fiber, eat so much fiber, just fiber, fiber, all the fiber in the world. And I think this is a weird call, but he tells me to just keep eating fiber. And I'm like, all right, dude, whatever you say, as long as, as long as you're not sticking anything up my butt right now, I will do whatever you say. Yeah. Yeah. And fiber is like, eh, inconvenient, but easy solution. Yeah. So, and, and as you might predict, the fiber didn't do anything except make things worse. Yeah. Um, so then he decides, this man tells me, we're going to do a flexig. It's going to be easy. We're just going to do a flexig. We're going to figure some things out and then we'll figure it out afterwards. And I'm like, okay, cool. We're doing a flexig. Sign me up. They call me. We schedule the flexig. I don't know what a flexig is I don't at this point. Um, a flexig is a, it's a shorter version of a colonoscopy. So it's a scope situation. It's a scope. And mm. they don't tell me that. <laughs> and again, I don't ask because I don't know what to ask. I, I don't know anything at this point. I still right. don't know anything. And um, so I get there and they're like, I go to my appointment. They're walking me through it. And like, I have this realization of like, oh, this is what we're doing here. Well, now I am mortified, terrified, 
and cannot get out of here faster. But I'm here now. Yeah. And I also don't have the the lady balls and authority to be like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Like, I would mm. never do that. It's an mm. authority. It's like, you're my teacher. You'll tell, I'll sit there because you told me to sit there. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, So I'm on the table and you're, you're laying on your left side. That's pretty much how they always have you. And I'm awake for this test. They also don't tell me that I am now awake for what I didn't know that I was having done. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I th- yeah, okay, there was a clean out process again, but like I figured out what the flex sig was. I did the clean out process. I don't realize I'm awake. I, did, I drove myself. I should have realized this. But like, again, you don't know how yeah. this works until you've done it. And obviously they're not being forthcoming with any information. No, either. Just assume no, that you like, went to real... medical school and you know what's going on. Yeah. Yes. As every other 23 year old who knows these things, 24 yeah, yeah. year old. Or I don't care if you're um, 60 year old. Like I, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Tell me what the hell's going no. on. So I am laying on the table. And if you've ever had a scope done, you know that the TV that they use to watch the scope is in front of you mm-hmm. and you're laying on your left-hand side. But if you've had a colonoscopy, you get knocked out. You don't see the fun part that's coming next. Yeah. Which is when they pick up the, the wand, scope, whatever it's called, and they turn towards you and you in real time see your ass on the screen. And then they start to walk towards you. And in even realer time, your ass grows in size on the screen and you grow in horror as your ass grows on the screen. Oh my God. So now I am laying here watching my own ass just become bigger than life size before my eyes. And then there's the moment where, and now I'm looking inside my insides. I am now yeah. inside of my colon. Um, horrified is not even a word to describe who I am, how I feel. I would rather die in this moment than be doing what i'm doing yeah until then it starts to hurt because if you haven't had a scope what they do is they shove a whole bunch of air up there to separate things so they can see what they're doing um but what i didn't know until that moment was that i was having an active ulcerative colitis flare because i didn't know i had ulcerative colitis and so as they're shoving air up there and shoving the camera up there they're irritating all of the open ulcers in my colon in this moment. And I am begging them to stop because it's so painful. Like, and I don't know if you've ever had pain on the inside of your body like that, where you're like, it's a diff, it hits different where it's like, you can't, you can't put your hand on it to like make it feel better. Yeah. Um, And so they finally stop, they pull the scope out and I'm lit. It's like, I'm literally in the fetal position, like on this table. (laughs) And the doctor comes up to me and he taps my shoulder and he literally says, word for word, I'll never forget it. Don't worry, it's just ulcerative colitis. Wow. So I think while that was one of the most horrifying experiences of my life, I've heard of ulcerative colitis. He said it's just, so I think like, we're going to be all right. Change your but diet, I am also give you a pill. I'm yeah. also at a new level of horrified because now I understand like I have a butt disease. Mm. I have a new disease in my butt. I don't know anything about it. And I have now planned this trip, this road trip with my new boyfriend. And this has not happened yet. The Euro connection Carolina trip. Yeah. 
none of this is which, literally like two weeks before this trip that going I get to this diagnosis. roller coasters and parks and things. Yeah. Long extended stays in the car, you know? Yeah. So I realize I've got to tell my boyfriend this. Like I have to, one, like you should tell your partner these things. Right. I didn't want it. I wouldn't have told him if it wasn't for the trip because I want it. And I did it in the way that I did things in my 20s when it came to men, where I was basically giving him permission to say he didn't want to mm. do this with me anymore. Um, it wasn't a here's information you can have. It was like, if you want to leave me now, right, you're right. allowed to leave me now. Um, so I tell him and again, he's like, OK, all right, you know. And I'm all he doesn't even care this is amazing like he, no, another check in the good guy list right he doesn't yeah. even, that's two now check check right this is and again we've had a year of in, in our yearish in our relationship and we're just playing right mm. we're killing it out there <laughs> i'm thinking like i'm gonna get like a to-go toilet right we're gonna like we're gonna make this happen because i'm now again i'm in research mode so like with ms when i was like i will for sure be wheelchair adjacent now mm -hmm. i will be for sure shitting myself all the time so i must yeah. have changes of clothes and a portable toilet and a portable screen around the toilet like i have to have all of these things because right. i don't know there's no one to tell me that like you don't maybe need those right. things right so we get on the trip and it does sort of flow with the thing of what a lot of people do, not myself, totally myself, is you try to out intellectualize the problem. Oh, for sure. You know, if I if I intellectualize it, then I don't have to deal with the emotions of it and the reality of it. And dealing with the reality of it while harsh in the beginning will be much more practical for the future to just deal with it. Yes. Might I also take the time to say this is when my anxiety started. <laughs> yeah, I mean, without question. Um, so yeah, cause I'm like, if I can plan for every scenario, yeah. I will have a backup plan and we will, I can tackle it all. I can that's control, when, like, control, control, control. That's when starting to plan BCD started for me, right? Of like, well, if we have the toilet, but if the toilet doesn't work, then I'll have a backup thing. If we don't have this thing, then I'll have this thing. And right, like mm. that's where it started for sure. So you're on your way to the trip. We start the trip. We are on the way. I think we even we might even maybe even have like MapQuest then because like this is this is still prior. Like a pirate, you've got the nine sheets of paper. Yeah. And <laughs> well, he had this like computer that had um before we had GPSs in cars, the same technology. He had it in his computer, so it was like MapQuest but on a laptop. Yeah. So it was digital, but it wasn't like internet connected, right? And yeah. I thought we were like we are so cool. This is the coolest shit anybody's step, ever seen. Step aside, Magellan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Want to watch me find Atlanta? Bam, yeah. done. Bam. So we start this trip, right? We, we go down to, I don't even remember all the parks we went to, but it was like, I think we went to Atlanta and then we like came up around into uh, North Carolina. I think we hit like two or three parks on the way down. The plan was to go to North Carolina and then hit one park on the way home, right? So we get to North Carolina great trip having a great trip everything's amazing we're we had a flat tire like the night one and i didn't lose my shit everything was fine right because like he knows cars also check for that mm -hmm. right just everything's top notch we're having a great time we get to north carolina i see all my friends we meet all the new boyfriends we're having a great time it's like night one we are all so elated to be in the same space again and i start to feel sick like like I have the flu, mm -hmm. like I'm throwing up 
and I have a fever. Like the second we get there and unpack, it's like two hours later where I start to feel like, how the fuck did I get a, did I get the flu? This is not fair. Right. right. So I'm downstairs in the bed by myself while all of my friends and my boyfriend are upstairs having a great time. And I'm not mad at any of them about this. Just for the record, even now, I'm not mad at any of them about this. Because also you're just thinking like, I have the flu. There's nothing really wrong. I just got some And also I don't want you to have the flu. Yeah. So like, this sucks. I'm mad about it, but like, it's no one's fault. Um, But I am sick. Like, and, and I, and I know again, like again, in hindsight, I'm throwing up bile. I didn't know that at the time, but mm. now I know that like, again, other signs that like, this is not the flu. But I've never been sick with UC before. Mm. I've never been sick like this before, other than when having the flu or a cold. So I'm throwing up and I'm sweaty and I'm feverish. And I feel like I'm like just awful, but like I'm mad that I'm missing this trip more than anything else. But all that I think is like, well, in a couple days at least, maybe for the ride home, I'll be feeling better. So the the days pass, right? I think I come out of the room maybe like two or three times, honestly. Like it was a total wash of a tr- of a trip. I was really sad about it. And um, we, we get in the car to start heading back home. And I'm starting to feel nervous about being in the car because of how sick I've been. Of like, if I have to throw up or if mm. I have to poop, like what do we, like how much time do I have to give you notice? Right? I'm just like, again, my anxiety is starting. Like if you want to know where my anxiety starts, I can tell you, I could probably look up the date. (laughs) So I'm starting to get worried. And what we do, we get to the next park and I'm like, I can't go in there. Like one, I can't ride a roller coaster right now Two, Like, I feel like I'm wait, 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 wait. So you're this sick and he's like, let's keep doing the parks. Yeah. And part of that is because I'm also telling him that that's okay. Yeah. I still don't care. Like at that point, you're like, we're going to drive you home. This is crazy. Which I agree with you now, right? Like <laughs> I see, I see the red flag here now. Yeah. But then again, right? I'm cool, girlfriend. I'm yeah. so cool. So you don't stop doing what you're doing because I got this. I'm cool, girlfriend. You love this. We're here. Go do the thing. And if you're not upset about doing it by yourself, then knock yourself out because. I don't take up space anywhere I am in the world at this point in life. And you're laying back like in the car? No. Um, so what we did is he dropped me at a Starbucks. Stop it. And then went to the park, um, which was fine until I got sick again. And if you recall, most Starbucks have single stall restrooms. So I'm in the bathroom on the floor at Starbucks throwing up bile, shitting my face off, and basically in there for like an hour and a half, just like on the floor of a public restroom. Yeah. And um, calling him, and he's not picking up. Of course, he's on a roller coaster. Roller coasters, right? So, um, you know, people are knocking, and I'm just like, I can't go out there and do this. So, like, this is what I'm doing. So finally he comes back and I'm like, wow, that was so bad. Like, I feel so sick. That was awful. And he was like, let me tell you about my roller coasters. So again, there should have been red flags. Oh my God. I hate this guy already. Oh, just you wait. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I didn't have enough self-worth to know that I deserved more than that. And that is basically the 
undertone of the entire story until I'm like 29. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just did not deserve anybody to be nice to me. I am the burden, right? I'm the problem here. We had a plan. I'm the sick one. Leave me here. Right? There's nothing in me that tells me this is fucked up and I shouldn't be dumped in a bathroom while you go ride roller coasters. And did you also deal with this uh, before any illness? Was this sort of a, a, you know, a standby type of behavior of not taking up space? Yes. Yes. And did yeah. it get worse after being diagnosed with, with the two different things? Yeah, because now I'm broken. So okay. now you're, you're, I, you're doing me a gift by sticking it out with me. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, for all you the listeners, a... that's sarcasm. We both think it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the time, it's like you have your choice of anyone in the world yeah. because you're so amazing. Right. And you choose to be with my broken, diseased ass. So, like, what a saint you are. And yeah. I will just make sure to be the least amount of burden in your life because I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to continue to care for me. Is what that so, was. So, dumbass is telling you about the roller coasters and you keep going to parks after that. That was the last park. Now oh, we're just okay. going home, but okay. it's still, it's a, it's a lot. I think, I think we were in Bush Gardens, which is like Virginia. So yeah. like, it's still 12 far. hours or something. Yeah. Um, and we drive home and by a miracle, there's no accidents, right? Like meaning me, like I don't yeah. shit myself yeah. in the car. I don't puke in the car. We make it to rest areas in time, but like, it's definitely like, I'm stressed out. Like this yeah. is a stressful thing. On top because of also, having a flare up and everything, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And again, like no one wants to shit in front of the person that they want to be beautiful in front of. Right. Right. Like I didn't know that there, there's a world where you have a relationship where that happens. And the other person is like, wow, that really sucks. Can I help you clean yourself up? Right. Yeah. I'm thinking, all they're going to do is think about how fucking disgusting you are as a human being right. and peace out of there. Right. So none of these are options. Because I can't they tell don't him how bad it is. Cool. Yeah. No, right. no. I can't tell him how bad it is. I mm. can't tell him exactly how I feel because again, I'm, I'm the burden here. Yeah. So we get home and for all intents and purposes, like the ride home is terrible, but like not as bad as it could have been. Um, but within maybe let's say two days, I'm in the ER. And I, again, I don't know why. Again, I've never been sick like this before, so I don't know why. I know that I feel like garbage. I know that I need to go to the ER. I get to the ER. Oh, by the way, forgot to tell you this. I didn't tell anybody in my entire life that I had ulcerative colitis except for my boyfriend and my friend Dana. Not my family, not my sister, wow. not my friends, not my MS friends, no one. So are they thinking the ER trip is about the MS or did you not tell them about the first one? So I didn't tell them. Hmm. Until I got admitted after that ER trip. So I'm in the hospital in my room and my parents come upstairs and they're looking at me like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, and I, and I, I think I literally, I think when this scene plays in my head, I'm sitting there looking up at them and it's literally like, so <laughs> I didn't tell you, but I also have ulcerative colitis now. And they're just very like, what, like, what the fuck? Like, uh, yeah, uh, so many unanswered questions at this point. And yeah, basically, how, why didn't you tell me what is going on? Is yeah. what does this mean? What, yeah, what is it? Yeah. What, yeah. Basically, I got chronic, I got super dehydrated from all like the throwing up and shitting and fevering um, and not intaking, not knowing I needed to intake 
a significant more than I was. Um, so by the time we got home, I got admitted and they were treating me for dehydration. Um, and which up until then I thought was a thing that famous people lied about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, treated you, for you were on drugs. That's why you passed out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I have to tell my parents and I tell them, you know, I have this, but now you can't tell anyone. You mm. can't tell your friends, family, you don't. And I didn't know at the time what I was telling them was you don't get support for this right. either. I was telling them no one can talk about my fucking butthole. So like, shut your mouth. This is mortifying. It's not happening to you. Grandma and grandpa don't get to know. My sister doesn't get to know. No one gets to know anything. The other side of that too, and I want this to really stand out for the listeners is to repeat again what she said is when she says, you can't tell anyone what I have. It denies them support. But I also want to say it denies you more support too, that other people don't know that love you, that would support you, that would care. Yeah. And again, there is going to be burden with that with a lot of questions and educating and things. But there is the flip side, at least in my experience with chronic illness, is the more people that I let in, the more authentically I can present and the more help I get. It's the oh, same 100%, for you. 100%. 100%. Like, this is one of those things where I don't, I don't have many regrets in the story because, you know, I'm a big fan of kind of how it all turns out, right? But if I could truly go back and undo that part... Because ultimately, everybody found out anyway, right? So all I did actually was cause more harm by making more people lie for me when I had already been lying for months at this point. So, and and as a as a necessary tangent per our your question about MS, if if I had previous um, symptoms, no. With IBD, I had symptoms for ten years. I had symptoms in high school. Wow. I had shit that I knew was fucked up. And yeah. I was too, I couldn't tell my mom. Literally. Yes. Like I couldn't yeah. tell anybody. So like, had I gotten treatment for this when things first started being weird and uncomfortable and, and, and bad, the trajectory could have been very different than what it ultimately ended up as. Um, yeah. So he that, he that, you know, for all the listeners as a cautionary tale, it, yes, it may feel embarrassing. It may feel difficult to talk about. Think about the alternative. If there's any possibility that your treatment can start early and the outcome can be so, so much yeah. better, you know, start from, tell people right away that you have some issue, even if you don't think it's an issue, even if it just seems um, different for you or, or not regular for you or like yeah. see somebody say something. If you, if you have the ability to do that, I know not everybody has insurance, the ability to do those things, but if you can, by any means, make sure that you get looked at if anything unusual is happening with your body. Yeah. Well, and specifically to that point, again, depending on the type of doctor you see, like yeah. for me, I was seeing GIs. They're there to talk about buttholes and problems, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they knew so what they were getting into. <laughs> there's nothing I could say that was going to be, but you, you know, we don't talk about these things as a society. Mm -hmm. Girls don't poop, but more or less, like we're not talking about poop over dinner time conversations, right? Yeah. In fact, we're told to stop talking about yeah. this stuff. So it doesn't matter that you're in an office with somebody who's like, yes, tell me all the details. You're like, oh, no. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I mean, it's so, the same thing of even like people, especially women are taught to be indignant about having male partners that pass gas or like, oh, no, you don't do that around me. It's just like, yes, it's a bodily function. What are you talking about? Like, I'm not going to be disgusted about it i'm gonna try to be away from the other person you know i don't want to be gross but it's like i don't care if you hear me you know like i'm a human yeah. being like but it is this whole like 
I can see like there's this whole entire thing around it of just it's so taboo and disgusting and gross, you know, like any sort of bodily function of any kind, you know, vomit, throwing up, you know, throwing yep. up any sort of issues, especially IBD as a woman just had to be aspects had to be crushing. Yes. Like just there's so many as a high school girl. Okay. So what, yeah. what started was I'd be running, we'd be doing laps at softball practice. And every once in a while, like I'd poop myself while we were running. Like I didn't have the control. Yeah. And again, at the time I was like, I know this is mortifying, but like, who the fuck am I going to tell this yeah. to? No one. So I would wear a pad and I, that solved, solved that problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not okay. That's not a thing. That's not a thing that you should be. It's not a no- thing you should normalize in your life. And that is sort of another overarching thing, particularly with IBD as I normalized so much stuff over the years, things that like are very clearly not a healthy functioning body that I was like, yep, that's fine. Yep. That's fine. Yeah. Cause you want it to disappear. You don't want to take up yeah. space to be a nuisance or be looked at as, as different or weird or gross or whatever. Nope. You know, and I already have this thinking. other thing, so I don't need any more shit. Right. So you're at the hospital and your parents now know, and of course your boyfriend at the time is lovingly staying with you through the ER and going to the visits with you and, and everything that's going on, right? No, um, but you know, it's because like he has so much work to do. Oh, sure, sure, so sure. it's really hard for him to get there. Um, you know, and in the beginning, I will say the first Man, if you were okay. a roller coaster, he would have taken a trip for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so to give him credit, in the two spaces it's due that first hospitalization I did get admitted and because they were still like we're not entirely sure what's going on here the first night he stayed in my room Mm. so like again I'm thinking check box good boyfriend because there's he stayed that's what Mm. you're supposed to do you're supposed to stay well, but then like he couldn't come back and then he had work and you know just stuff right so Mm. I'm Either that hospital, almost every time I went to the ER after that, I was there for a week and I started becoming a regular there. Like it was at least every couple of weeks, at least once a month, I was doing a full week stay. And if not, I was in the ER almost every other week, like just literally just there all the time. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. How long did that go on? Like the frequent stays? Months. Okay. Three, four months. Um. Because every time I went, it was like something different. It was like the dehydration. And then it was like my hemoglobin was so low because I was losing so much blood. I had to get blood transfusions in the beginning. Mm. Um, or it was like the, the all the, uh, the um, your white blood cell count was too high. So it's just like, you know, when this is happening, everything in your body is getting so fucked up. Like you're anemic, you're losing salt, like you're losing blood. You're internally bleeding and externally bleeding so much blood. You're weak, you're anemic. So then you need iron supplements. And then your hemoglobin is high because it thinks there's an infection because there are open ulcers in your colon. So it's just like all the shit. I'm getting potassium on my IV. Like there's just so endless amounts of shit. Somebody who doesn't understand you see at all, um, how do they how do they help treat and possibly cure the ulcers? So Let's do a real quick, like, what is IBD? Because this matters. Yeah. So inflammatory bowel disease is an umbrella term that includes ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, 
and other forms of the two. Those are the two big names is ulcerative colitis and Crohn's, but there are other types of IBD in there. Um, those are just the ones we hear about most right. often. The major differences are Crohn's disease can exist anywhere in your digestive tract, ass to mouth. So you can have ulcers in your throat, uh, on your tongue, anywhere in your esophagus, anywhere. Ulcerative colitis is typically reserved to your large intestine and your rectum. So it's the same disease, roughly, just different locations. And so when they're treating it, um, it also has to do with sort of like how deep in the tissues, like pathologically, like where it lives in the tissues. But basically, um, you have open ulcers in your intestines that bleed. That's where all the blood comes from, which for the, the detail purpose that I feel like people should know, even though they don't want to know, when I talk about bleeding while using the toilet, I am talking bright red bowl full of blood. Like there's mm. nothing else there. You're not shitting shit anymore. Mm. You're exclusively shitting blood. And it is the like, you look like you just murdered someone color of blood. It's the blood where you're like, I am dying. Like, this is so bad. I am afraid of how vibrant. It's not old blood. This is. Yeah. 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 You're I'm, bleeding I'm, out. You feel like you're bleeding out. It is horrifying. It's like you just ate a whole beet salad kind of blood. Right. right. You know, um, so. At the hot. OK, IBDs. So that's the main difference um, in terms of treatment. So there are Wait, a lot first of off, first off, Becca, before we get to treatment, do, do they have a suspicion of how it starts, why it starts, why you get them? Yes. No. Right. We don't yeah. know. We don't know. We have theories. Um, they are um, genetic. They're not hereditary. So you are more likely to get it if somebody in your family has it, but you're not guaranteed to get it. Thank you. Um, yeah. And uh, again, no one in my family has this. So we are going two for two on the fucking surprise autoimmune right. shit. You're like, I um, want to be unique, but not like that. Right? Like, <laughs> it's now becoming like chronic illness Pokemon where you just like mm. collect them all. Yeah. Um, and so they did there. There's this like 30, 30, 30 rule where they're thinking it's like 30% nature, 30% sort of like your surroundings. Wait, is that the same thing? And then 30% like luck of the draw. So mm. we don't know. We're all just winging it. Um we know that it's higher in certain populations than other populations. Um, Ashkenazi Jews have a very high population. Irish people have a very high population. Um, it's not very high in prevalence in Asian communities. It's growing, but it's not, it hasn't historically, like right now, um, Crohn's disease is considered a rare disease in Taiwan. So mm. like it's, it's on the move globally, um, getting mm. much more common, but um, it's still much higher in sort of like, white populations do they think it has any sort of um association because obviously you can say like more people have it now than before because we just have better testing yeah but is there any sort of correlation with like uh, processed foods and diet or anything like that that you know of or not really this is uh, kind of the controversy right okay. because when we say it's what you eat it doesn't mean like I ate McDonald's for a week and I gave myself IBD, right? It right. doesn't mean like what I as an individual ate, but in terms of the quality of foods available to us as a species, I think that there is some direct correlation to that. Okay. Um, like what food is available versus like, what did you ingest today? 
kind right. of thing. Right, right. Exactly. As a whole for a lifetime. That's what I mean. Like yes. over over decades and decades, if you're have low quality food. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. So then um, uh, on the flip side of it, then what are, can it be completely cured? And uh, if not, what do they do at least to treat it? Here's another fun controversy in the community. Um, Crohn's disease absolutely cannot be cured. Okay. Um, there's no debate about that. Where the debate comes in is whether or not ulcerative colitis can be cured. And the reason why there's a debate in this is because there are some physicians who tell patients that if they have their large intestine removed, that they are cured. Mm. As a patient who has had their large intestine removed, I can say adamantly that it is not a cure. Okay. Um, because in my opinion, and this could just be me, when you say cure, I think the problem is gone. You're not going to deal with that problem anymore. And more than likely, it's not going to cause other big issues for you. Mm -hmm. That's what I think cure. Like when I think cured of cancer, I think no more cancer. The cancer is not going to continue to cause you issues down the road. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. So in ulcerative colitis, you can, so I, spoiler alert, I ended up having my large intestine and rectum both removed surgically. Mm -hmm. So I don't have those two anymore. I have about three centimeters of rectum left. And that is what they have attached my small intestine to. I have what is internally called a J pouch and we'll get into all the details a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, but basically I still use the bathroom like a normal healthy person with a colon. Um, I don't have an external bag, uh, but I don't have the same parts on the inside. And the reason why I maintain that this is not a cure is because I can still get something that's called pouchitis, which is basically ulcerative colitis of my small intestine. Um, it's an inflammation. It feels just like colitis. The urgency is back. The like lack of control is back. You feel physically sick. It's an infection, mm -hmm. but it's solved with antibiotics. It's a very it's different. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that can happen is the three centimeters of rectum can still become inflamed with ulcerative colitis as well. So to me, you can't call it a cure. Yeah. Even though those problems are much smaller, they don't, you know, root, they don't append your whole life anymore. You can still function and live with those problems. They're still colitis at the root of what they are. It's still a problem I'm dealing with based on something I had before that you cured. If you cured the ulcerative colitis, I wouldn't have these problems. Agreed, 100%. Oh. It's basically like if you constantly have an ingrown toenail and they're like, well, we cut your toe off to cure it. Well, great. Well, now I have trouble walking and I have hip pain and back pain. And I mean, it's just, you know, like that, just because you removed something, you didn't cure it, you got rid of it. And then you caused other problems associated with what you had to replace it with. So as a rewind, after that horrible scope experience with that doctor who gave me that pat on the shoulder, I went to their, um, when I was in the hospital, um, the attending on duty was a different GI at the same practice. And so I tried to make an appointment with that guy because I liked him more. And um, also that's a whole thing. Did you know you are not supposed to switch doctors within the same fucking practice? I didn't know that until much later. And I've encountered it several times mm -hmm. where they consider it competition within their own fucking practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Asinine. But if you put up a big enough stink about it and you're, you can learn how to take up space or if you can cry enough on the phone they will make it happen for yeah. you. So I see that guy. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because before, when things started progressingly getting worse, and again, I have a whole detail about this, but this doctor said to me, 
when talking about a certain, there's a certain medication for MS that got approved for Crohn's disease. Um, it had the two indications right around this time. That medication for MS is connected to a possibility of getting a brain disease called PMI, PML. <laughs> I was thinking of the insurance things, PMI. <laughs> it's called PML, um, which basically can be fatal. Um, so you're getting a switch of you can have MS or a brain disease. Both things will kill you. Yes. Wow. Um, but what we figured out the indications in which it's most common to get this brain disease. Okay. okay. So it's not like just a free for all. Sure. There yeah. are, we, we know ways to kind of like assess risk mm-hmm. and I have been in, this has been approved in the MS community for a long time. So at this point I'm three years into MS and I understand what's happening with this drug. And I understand the misconceptions around what's happening and mm-hmm. how people are talking about it. So what gets brought up in this con- in the conversation with this doctor about like, maybe we tried this medication because it basically treats both the things that I have, even though I don't have Crohn's, they were going to, mm. you know, off label it. And he says to me again, so many quotable moments that I will never forget. Why would I give you a drug that can kill you when you can have surgery that can cure you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's stop here. And let's uh, end this episode and we can start the next one where we were going to, which was your first visit coming back from the roller coaster park in the ER and take it from there. How does that sound? Sure. Great. All right. We will see you all next week. And uh, what do we have to sort of look forward to in the episode coming up? Oh, I mean, look forward to is a pretty rough uh, yeah, one. Yeah, for I, what's I, yeah, I don't up. mean in a positive um, way, like it's a joyful <laughs> thing, but what, what do they expect to hear? Let me say that. Um, there's a little bit more about how this starts impacting me and my family. Um, outside of just like all the terrible shit that happens to you when you're at the ER or the hospital, um, what this starts to look like outward, what happens right. in other places. All right. That's a good ending point. Thank you again for... Uh, sticking with us for another episode and we will be back next week with another one. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you for listening to What Won't She Say? You can find us at whatwontshesay.com on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else that you like to find your podcast.